Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. Each week with my co-host and Missouri Wind's General Manager, David Medeiros, we discuss the latest on renewable energy. Check out our additional educational information on our website at mwands.com. Thank you for downloading this podcast, and please subscribe. One of the things I like about our podcast we can ramble on about what most people would probably think are some of the most boring subjects that you would ever, I mean, just get a pillow because we're going to lay down here and take a nap. We're going to talk about, about wire today. That's got to just perk some people up. Oh my gosh, we're going to talk about wire. David's already smiling. We can Seinfeld this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously one of the big components in any system is wire. And I'm going to, I'll start off with a, a confession it's not as good as my Julie Child's confession the other, <laughs> the other week. But when I first started working with Jeff, and this was 10 years ago, it was at least 10 years ago, he let me take a couple of solar panels home. And for whatever reason, I don't even remember, but I didn't get wire when he gave them to me. And so what is the most obvious thing in the world that you do to go get wire? Home Depot. That's right. So I go to Home Depot, and since they're outside, I got some fantastic exterior cable that you can bury. I mean, this is just some beast. I thought, man, I'm going to have the best wire in the world. And, of course, I mean, you know you know how this story ends. These are 300-watt these are panels, and they're not, they're not doing anything. I'm not getting any power. And that was my first lesson in stranded versus solid cable. But we don't even have to go over that today. But that that's just a great overall in how important all the time how important wiring is, and we're probably just even going to skip over the the easy part of that, which is don't use solid wire on yeah. the on the DC side. Don't that's use just solid wire. use, <laughs> use, use stranded wire. There's there's a reason that we stock the wire that we stock, and it's not because it looks the prettiest or it is the easiest to use. Or it's the cheapest the, guy. Ain't the cheapest. Or the cheapest. <laughs> It's because it's the best. I mean, it's the best product for the application that we're using it for. You know, I wouldn't want to use a three or a quarter inch ratchet trying to take off the lug nuts on a, a dump truck. I mean, it's just not the best application for it, you know. So. so let's do get into the elementary side of this. Tell me what, you know, I buy this stuff for the store, a lot of this stuff, and, and don't know what it is a lot of the time. I'm I'm just, you know. Going You're through the motion, the like, numbers. we need this. What, what are we looking at when we're talking about AUG? So AUG is the actual diameter of the cable. That's the AUG. So, you know. Is this the lower the number, the bigger the? That's right. It's going to work a little bit like a shotgun caliber. I mean, like, you know, a shotgun, a 12-gauge is bigger than a 20-gauge in the same way. And so when we talk about wire, we also say that's typically the number one way it's said instead of AUG is, you know, give me a one gauge cable. Give me a two gauge cable. So AUG and four gauge, gauge, gauge are same thing. Same thing, you know. Okay. So, so it's just the gauge. It's just the size, the, the diameter size of it. And so, the only flip to that, and I guess it'd be more like rifles at that point, would be is you have a four aught, so a four and a slash and a zero. So your AUG runs. Okay, let's just say we start out at at eighteen gauge. So eighteen. 16, 14, 12, all the way down to zero, zero AUG. 
And then I start into my aughts, and that starts getting bigger even even yet. Okay, so we go but up it goes there. but it goes one aught is the next size from zero gauge or zero aug. It's one aught, then two aught, then four aught. Okay. And four aughts as big as we go. Four aught, that's running five hundred amp. And if you're running, we just don't do anything over 500 amps. Now, in everything we do, are the strands in the cable, are they all the same? They're the same. So when you cut a, a four-aught cable open. And which is look, a beast. Which is a beast. Yeah, it's as big around as, well, almost two of my thumbs put together. <laughs> it's big. And so when you cut that open, thousands of strands, little micro strands of, of copper wire in there. But now those strands, we specify that, that that's strand, right. that strand. That's not a standard, right? right. I mean, because you could have... You could have right, a, yeah. A, a so, piece of, so like, say you use a just a THHN wire or THHN wire. It may only have eight strands of cable and a number eight. Whereas a number eight, what we usually use is like a welding cable. It may have 150. You know, and that's what we want. The and more that's what we want the more strands, the better. A couple of reasons: one, it makes it a better connection, better transfer of energy. Number two. It's a lot more pliable and a lot easier to work with. So when I'm working in a, you know, and I'm having to make my bends to this battery, to this battery, to this battery, you know, stiff cables, hard to work with, can really cause a lot of issues in that. And even like with our wind, we would typically want you to have a slip ring. But if you've got that, what cable do we usually run up there to those? Right. So that's what they call an SJOO cable. SJOO. It's a jacketed cable. It's an outdoor rated cable. It doesn't have to be buried in a conduit or ran down in a conduit. It can actually be exposed to, to sunlight and or bury. But it's actually resilient enough to take the turns and and kind of un, right. undo. Right. And, you know, everybody's and always it, like, well, and so does- Yeah, inside an SJO cable, what you'll find, you've got a big black jacket on the outside. Then you'll see like a, a paper insulation between all of them. But then they're all jacketed on the inside as well. Each individual yeah. strand is actually jacketed or not strand, but each... And I I looked at that recently. Is that PVC? It's just a rubberized. I don't mean like PVC, like yeah, you know, like yeah. plumbing PVC. Yeah. But it's a rubberized coating. Is what it is. That's a, got a UV inhibitor or UV protector on it. Is what it is. And you know, some people would say, "Well, I can go buy extension cord." You know, and I know Jeff has said that in some of his past videos. Oh, you can just go buy a twelve three extension cord. Not to say it won't work. It's just not going to be the most effective. Same way with Wes's solar panels. It, it didn't mean they didn't work. It's just they it's were very, <laughs> very ineffective at that, you know, doing what he did. So that's the reason that we, there again, we sell it. We are a great price on our wire. I mean, if you was to go out and price it at Home Depot or just go out and. Well, actually, you know, at my Home Depot, I couldn't have bought it. Yeah. They I mean, didn't, if you they was didn't to go try it, even just, just to price, you know, like a 12 gauge extension cord. Well, we're going to be cheaper than, than buying a 12 gauge extension cord. I mean, if you're buying a true. And a lot of times, their extension cords are not a—they're not an outdoor-rated cord. I mean, they're not meant to stay outdoors permanently, like like you will have to do with your actual wind turbine cable. It's going to have to be outdoors permanently. All right. So, can you oversize your cable? Not really. I mean, you know, cable's a little a little funny that you can't oversize it, but you definitely can undersize it. Now, there's no sense in oversizing cable. You right. don't gain anything. If I knew the maximum draw I would ever have on a cable would be 100 amps, the number four is all I would ever need. That's it. I don't need a number. I don't need to jump to a number two. If 100 amp is for sure all I'm ever going to pull through it, 
then that's all I ever need. Now, if I ever thought there was a chance that I could pull 150 amps, then I have to go to a number two. I have to go to what max the max is going to be capable of doing, you know. And so, so wind turbine, you know, say our wind turbines, they produce up to 1600 to 2000 watts, depending on the, the model you buy, or, or 500 watts, depending on the model you buy. But, and everybody's worried about, well, you know, you sell a number 10 and you sell a number 12, and I'm going to go with the number 10, and we recommend that on our 12 and 24-volt models. 48-volt, you can use 12 because it's higher voltage. But understand, you know, when, when our wind turbines work, they don't just hit a certain peak voltage and then everything else turn to amperage. They actually, it, it's, it's a curvature scale. I mean, so they'll actually produce the faster the wind speed, the more voltage they'll actually produce. The amperage will go up as well. But most of our amperage, we typically stay in below about 30 amps. I mean, you know, even on our 12, you would never see it produce over 30 amps because at the 1600 watt, let's just say everything was running as high as it could, you're going to see on our 12 volt model, you're going to see about 60, mid 50s, mid 50s, and the voltage. I mean, it's going to really ramp up that voltage but your amperage is going to be there again at about 25 to 30. And so that's why we recommend number 10. Number 24 is even going to go higher than that, but we still recommend a 10 because you can get over 20 amps. And if you can get over 20 amps, you have to go to the next 10-gauge wire as 12 will only carry 20 amps. So, so let's let's talk about that for a second. So, again, we're talking about heat, right? Yep. Is that we need that much more space, if you will, to carry that amperage away effectively and not right again it's keep a, that heat down i mean the the cooler i have something the better it's going to transfer electricity so would we want to bury the cable to help out with that or does that doesn't that really matter most, pe- most people bury the cable just so it's not going to be you know they don't run their lawnmower over or weed eater and hit you know and that's the main reason you would bury your cable it's not a necessity but it is, you know, I don't really know anybody that's leaving it on top of the ground. It would be like leaving your surface entrance cable out on top of the ground. Does it have to really be buried from the breaker panel to the meter? They really can't tell you what it has to be. That's that's not up to them. But if you're doing it from, you know, there's a reason they bury their cable and, and bury it two foot in the ground. Now, it's not because of the frost line or anything like that. It's just so nobody digs and actually hits it, you know. Because if our turbine was up and spinning hard, you were you using a like shovel. That? Yeah, you were to hit it, and, and you know, whatever reason you had a metal handle shovel, you know, you're going to get a zap. It's not going <laughs> to feel good, you know. I always like to tell the little story about that. We had a guy that was he took his RPMG to the alternator shop, and he took it in, and he oh yeah, and he and the guy was working on it, and hold this you know, for me. He he'd never <laughs> he'd never dealt with one of them. He'd always dealt with an alternator, which only produces about 14 volts, and you know, just a couple amps, you know, because it's not meant to be real high. And he spun that thing with his with his machinery and got a hold of the actual three phase, not realizing that those were all producing voltage. And yeah, he said that's the hardest he'd ever been hit by anything <laughs> in his life, you know, and, and refused to work on it anymore. He sent it back to us. He said, I'm done. So, uh, so anyway. Okay, so I've got another series of questions to ask you. So a break in the wire, whether it's purposeful or not purposeful how much do you lose let's just say like you were you were saying you cut that cable again it was still too short so you had to add something on there if you're now if you're connecting those two cables together and depending on how you're connecting them 
let's just say, you know, even if it was like some type of lug to lug, you're going from a stranded cable to all of a sudden this big solid chunk. Solid, so, yep. Solid and then you're hopping over yeah. to the next solid chunk and then going out the stranded cable again. Are, how much are you losing? You can have up to 10% voltage loss on that if you don't do it correctly, you know, on the wind turbine. So now on, on solar panels, typically you're going to have between a half to one volt of loss, you know, when you make multiple connections. So, so that's why we sell cable the way we do, you know, and we ask, you know, because we don't want you to have to put that connection in if you don't have to. We want you to, you know, you, you've got to connect on the back of your solar panels. Cause now, and, and is that regardless of the connection? So if I, and I've never had to be concerned about this. I mean, is there some way you can basically mesh those strands into strands and then like heat shrink it or yeah or, you can are you still going to have Tip, that same typically loss you'd want to go get i mean you can get them at the hardware store we, we've got them here depending on the size that you need a butt to butt connector i mean so you're going to strip the wire being very careful when you strip the wire not to cut off a bunch of strands because that's the number one thing people will stranded wire is the hardest because you run Zip, your deal and, all and, you, of a sudden, and, and you cut oh, three or four or five strands <laughs> off as you're doing that, you know, and you pull that jacket off to expose that wire. Well, you may have cut 10, you know, especially on our cable, you may cut 20 strands off there. Well, every one of them was going to be producing. So they kind of, kind of run up there and stop. They don't, they're not going to be able to send that energy on, you know? So you really want to make sure you're doing a really good job when you're stripping your cable, not to damage any of the actual, the internal wiring. So you're going to strip that back. You're going to put that over the top and you're going to make sure you really get a good cramp or however you're going to connect that or whatever is connecting that together, making sure it's a really good connection. And then number two, after you get that done, you're going to want to put a, a jacket, a heat shrink jacket over each individual. So say it's a three wire deal. You don't just want it over the one. You'll want to put one over each individual jacket and then actually do one over the entire jacket. Okay. So remember I talked about our 10-3 had right. three separate deal. So I'd want to get small you know, quarter-inch pieces for that and then heat shrink all those so that now they've all got good. And then I'd want to, you know, you got to do this typically before you before you, you put got, yeah, you got to slide it on before you actually make the connections and then slide it back over and heat shrink that all down. And it's got a glue in that heat shrink right. that seals it up. No water can get in there. So you don't have to worry about corrosion getting in on the cables because corrosion, just like on a battery, Corrosion can be very detrimental to the system as well. So water in there, even we're talking about copper cabling. So it's, you know, if anybody, and I know you've all seen it, when you see green on, on copper patina, and that's what causes when there's electricity and water that happen at the same time, you know, it will cause a rapid patina to happen. You know, you see that on your battery lugs a lot, you know, and it, and it really causes, and you look under there and like, oh, what is all that? And it's because, and a lot of times that is due to not having good tight connections. That's the number one reason that happens, that little bit of an arc in there. And I know I stressed it probably in our last one, but I'll never stress it enough. Make sure all connections are super tight when you're doing them. If not, that's the number one fail point. Being is in a controller being in the guts inside of a controller, I mean, that's the number one fail point is the bolts not being tight. Bolts or connections. Yeah, I mean, you think, you think about if in this, you know, maybe not in this day and age, but I know when I was growing up, maybe when you were growing up, I mean, it'd be like calling somebody from a phone in Missouri to somebody in Australia. Yeah. And there's one line that's broken somewhere in there. You can't say, well, 
man, there's 1,300 miles of fine. It's just one little spot. Yeah. Blood. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. That's exactly right. You know, I mean, the weak point's always going to be the, you know, it's always going to be the, the trouble spot. I mean, we had a gentleman call the other day, and it was a wiring issue, just the same deal. And he said, you know, everything's wired correctly, and everything he was saying was loose connection. Everything he was telling our, our sales techs screams loose connection, loose connection. And finally, he said, just please go back and check the connections back at the turbine where you've installed the turbine and the wire. And he gets up, and sure enough, one has come. It's not totally off, but it has come loose. Yeah, because he, he was having it was producing and not. Yeah, it? It was and then so he tightens it down instantaneously. It works just like it's supposed to, you know. So Wes has made a good analogy. So when you call us and you start to ask us for help, let us help you. We've done this <laughs> a lot. So don't call us and tell us, you know, my leg's broken, and then we're going to try to help you and say, well, I don't think it's that. You know, let us diagnose the situation. You know. Because a lot of times we'll have already heard it. And a lot of times can tell you immediately what's, yeah. what it, the situation is. talk about, I'm having a heart attack. The ambulance yeah. drivers come yeah, and get me and I'm punching them in the face because I don't like what they're doing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, hey. Let, let us help you. I mean, that's what they're there for. That's what they I mean. To us, is is gratifying to help somebody figure out the system, reason it's not working. I mean, that's, that's gratifying to us because we've helped you solve a, a need that you had. And you needed that electricity for whatever reason. And we've solved that need. What else we got with wire? I mean, I'm trying to think if, if we've missed anything. Not a lot. You know, make sure you get, use good lug terminals at the ends. Uh, and we talked about making sure they're crimped always, well. Yeah, lug terminals are always better than just a, a bare wire connection. If you can use a lug terminal, use it. Make a good crimp on it. And if you have a lot of connections, especially if you're doing a lot of butt connections, wire-to-wire connections, I would recommend it. And we sell it here. You can get it multiple locations, but we sell it here. Using a, I've lost my the lug crimping up. tool. The uh, hammer well, one. You gotta, yeah, you, you need a lug crimping tool. Never just try to beat it on with a hammer. You never get it right. I mean, it just doesn't work. But they actually make a, a dielectric grease, and we sell it here. It's a paste form. It's got a little brush on it. You'll be amazed how much because what it'll let allow is that little bit of extra voltage that you were going to lose. It allows that transfer very easily through it. You know, we had a scale in the back back when it was constantly, it would turn on, turn off and turn on and you would adjust the wire and you'd move the wire. And one day I got mad at it. So I went and got the <laughs> dielectric grease and I dipped the end in and it's been working now for two years and never <laughs> failed in two years just because I dipped it in dielectric grease and I stuck it back in the terminal. And so it's amazing what just a little bit of something can really do for you. So Okay. All right. Well, I think we got, oh, this was bad. I was thinking in my head, we've got wire wrapped up, but now I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but, but here we are. <laughs> but we've said it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, David. We appreciate the time. Thank you guys for tuning in to take a listen. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, email us at radio at mwands.com. You can follow us on our website, mwans.com, or subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Check out our store at mwans.com and buy some stuff. Buying stuff allows us to continue to produce our educational broadcasts, like our podcasts and YouTube videos. And most importantly, it keeps Lucy's doggy chicken treats coming. Thanks again.